0: Welcome to the Data Dive podcast, a podcast where we share the stories of real-world data-driven applications in various industries, hear how some of the most innovative companies are being built, and much more. I'm your host, Abraham Cherian, the founder of Data Dive, an international youth-driven organization focused on developing data literacy among the next generation. Today, I'm excited to have Harpreet Sahota on the podcast. Harpreet is a data scientist at Comet and will be joining Packy Durham soon. He's regarded as a prominent figure in the data science space, and has his own data science podcast, The Artists of Data Science. Welcome to the Data Dive Podcast, Harpreet. I'm glad to have you on.
1: all yeah, right on, man. Thanks for thanks for having me here. It's crazy being regarded as a prominent data scientist. It's crazy. <laughs> no but yeah, happy to be here, man. Happy to uh, to chat with you.
0: So could you tell us a little bit more about your background and what sparked your interest in data science and machine learning?
1: I mean, it depends how how far back you want to go, but just, you know, keeping things relevant. So, you know, after I graduated from undergrad, like kind of like the first time around, I started teaching math pretty much to high school students. Uh, But I was teaching like the academic, they were called at-risk student population. So like academic recovery is what it was called. So kids who had, you know, kind of gotten just kicked out of school and we're trying to get back into the system type of thing. I started teaching math there and kind of realized that I like it and I'm better at it than I thought it was because I didn't really study math a lot in university. I studied, um, I mean, I did study like mathematical economics, but it wasn't like super crazy math. It was a bunch of econometrics and stuff like that. But yeah, I started like looking into career. This was like, mind you, this is like 2008, 2010, we're talking, so it was a long time ago. So back then, you try to type into Google, what careers can I do with math? The thing that comes up is actuarial sciences. So that's kind of where I, I kind of stepped into that. So I graduated, my first undergrad from Cal State Fullerton, studying, you know, mathematics, economics, like an abysmally low GPA. It was hard for me to first to get jobs, right? in actual sciences with a GPA that low with no real experience or whatever, and kind of got the idea in my head that I should go to grad school and kind of have a, have a clean slate and start over there. But I couldn't even get accepted to grad schools, dude. So I had to go back and start taking classes at, again, the same classes I took that i had gotten seasoned that during uh, my undergrad years, I had to retake all of them over again Plus, some more like advanced, like you know, calculus-based probability classes and calculus-based statistics classes and all this linear algebra, differential equations, all that stuff, just to get into grad school. And on top of that, I had to crush the GRE. And so that I had to do all of that just to get into grad school. And then I got into grad school, studied actuarial sciences and statistics and stuff like that. And even in grad school, man, I couldn't even land a damn internship. Uh, it was struggle. It was a struggle. But I knew that. When I was going through the courses, you know, for grad school, the thing that resonated most with me was this area of actuarial sciences that was called predictive modeling, predictive analytics. So all of my kind of electives were geared in that direction. Started working as an actuary for a while, but then, you know, I met my wife who's based here in Winnipeg where I currently am and I had to move, you know, I wanted to move here to be closer to her and at that time the only kind of roles that were available in the city were biostatistician roles and some other business analyst type roles that i weren't really too interested in and so i became biostatistician for a while and i had to do that because in order for me to stay in canada you know as a u.s citizen living in this country i had to be on a work visa i eventually got a permanent residency and you know it took about four or five years and at that point That's when I said, all right, let me kind of go back to my roots. what is the thing that I really enjoyed? That was predictive modeling, predictive analytics. You know, I was so out of touch with like industry stuff for that five years that I was a biostatistician that I didn't even know that what I liked to do was rebranded as data science and machine learning. But uh that's that's kind of how that all started then. You know, through it all was even through all the hard times I was trying to be an actuary taking those exams and everything, it was really my love of probability theory my love of you know, statistics that, that was like the driving force for why I got into the data science.
0: Yeah, I think that's one thing I found super interesting that you work as like an actuarial analyst, right? So when you were working at Warranty Group as an actuarial analyst, is there anything you miss now, like from those days? And like, what do you think has kept you in the data science space for so long? Because, I mean, you've been in the data science space for about eight, nine years after, right?
1: I mean, I'm- I wouldn't even say I'm in the data science space. I'm in the space of just chasing whatever is intellectually curious to me at that moment. It just so happens that I have an inclination towards math, programming, and science. So it kind of leans towards that direction. And I think that's what kind of has kept me deep in the field is because I just genuinely have an interest in this stuff, right? Like, I'm not in it for the the glamour of being a data scientist or, like, you know, having that title stuff. I'm in it for the love of the game, right? Like, I'm, I'm in it for the love of the actual the math the stats you know all that stuff but what do i miss about being an actuary <laughs> Well, I, I mean i don't miss the work of an actuary like I, it sounds crazy saying it now but i miss i miss studying for those exams dude i don't know if you know anything about becoming an actuary but you have to take this battery of exams dude and these exams are just grueling right they're like 3 4 hour long exams and you know, you've got to put in at least 100 hours of studying for each hour of exam that was grueling as but like, I learned so much through, through all of it. Right. And I think part of the reason why I have like such an intimate understanding of, you know, probability and statistics is because of those exams, because I had to go through that process. And it's not like I, there's probably only one or two exams that I passed in the first try, but most of those exams I had to take like three or four times uh, before I even passed it. So just solidified a lot of uh, those abstract concepts that just kind of ingrained them into my brain but don't miss the work that much because the work was mostly just excel and sas sas and it was kind of boring ish work but it wasn't really cutting edge or fun there's a lot of regulatory regulatory regulatoryness involved in it because you have to file your what they call rate filings and stuff like that um but yeah
0: man no actually i mean i I know a lot about uh, actuarial science i thought about studying it in college right so I mean, I was kind of, I was a little worried because, you know, there are so many exams, but I think one thing that's really unique about your story or like really great about your story is how like you were really resilient. And even though you didn't, you know, pass the exams on the first try, or maybe you didn't, you know, get into grad school, like grad school immediately, you stuck, you stuck with it. And I think that's, that's really important. So I wanted to talk a little bit about your work at Emergent BioSolutions. Solutions. So whenever you're dealing with medical data, that can be really difficult, right? And not having a formal background in medicine makes it even tougher. So could you talk about doing your work as a biostatistician there?
1: Yeah, so the work as a biostatistician is really working with the clinical trials uh, scientists, right, so these are usually PhD scientists who are kind of spearheading this clinical trial. And my job was to work with them and Essentially come up with the right statistical test to test whatever endpoint it was that they're claiming that this drug could do. So for example, you know, let's say the company wants to manufacture a drug that reduces some viral load on patients, right? So I would work with the scientists and scientists. All right. Well, here, you know, my endpoints that I want to see. I want to prove that, uh, or at least make the claim that this drug reduces the viral load in patients by this percentage. Like, how can I make the statement? What statistical test do I need to do that? And kind of work with them to figure out the, what it was that they're trying to accomplish. Then from there, figure out the right statistical test, the right sample size, the right randomization scheme so that we can make this claim with, with confidence. So that was a lot of work that, that I did with them. I didn't necessarily need to know anything about medicine or biology for that matter. Although I know a lot of biostatisticians like have that formal training, like they might do. You know, biology plus stats to, to get into there but I, I was coming at it straight from the statistics angle so a lot of my work was when it comes to the data at least right so you know it might be different for larger companies emerging solutions was particularly niche Uh and so we ran a lot the, the clinical trials we ran were a lot smaller than something you might see at like astrazeneca or genentech or something like that but pretty much there's like you know there's a Practitioner out in the field administering this drug to a patient, they're collecting data on what's called a CRF. I forgot what the acronym stands for, but essentially they're collecting data right at every lab visit, right? You know, patients. Let's say you know patients' weight, their blood pressure, you know their their toxicology lab reports, things like that. And a lot of that stuff comes, uh, at least at Emergent, was handwritten and then transcribed into. Electronic system. And then once it's transcribed into an electronic system, then we're able to pull the data, uh, as biostatisticians, manipulate it into a way that it's ready for analysis. So you can think of that as ETL work that we're doing, right? I mean, I was dealing with sensitive data for sure, but it was all anonymized and I didn't necessarily need background medicine to understand it because a lot of the types of analysis that were done were kind of Prescribed by the clinical trials scientist, by the scientist in charge of that protocol.
0: Yeah. So you talked about it a little bit there, but could you delve deeper into your decision-making process as a data scientist trying to, you know, solve a problem by leveraging like a data-driven solution?
1: Yeah. I mean, I wrote this this blog post on Medium called "How You Can Translate a Business Problem to a Data Science Problem." So in that framework, I talk about like you know, seven different steps that you can take to do that right and the first is are always starting with a clearly defined goal uh or a clearly defined business outcome or problem statement right and whether that's in business whether that's as a biostatistician that's always the first thing is like all right what is it that we're trying to do right and then we want to track this outcome that we're looking for with some agreed upon kpis right key performance indicators or just measures, right? Informative measures, if you don't like the word KPI, just an informative measure that will allow you to track what it is that you're trying to achieve. Then you want to identify what are called like activation levers, right? Because you you want to figure out what you could do, what levers you could pull that are going to affect those KPIs, right? And once you kind of identify those levers that you can pull, then you want to find the sources of data that will allow you to pull those activation levers. And then you can start to think about, all right, how am I gonna build a model that's gonna use that data to make a prediction, suggest some decision, or just otherwise inform uh, how, what, when, or where to pull that activation lever. other. And then you wanna determine the right metrics that you wanna to use to track the performance of your model, because right? you need to be able to determine how an improvement in your model performance metric is gonna impact that KPI. And finally, we think about how to integrate the model so that you could pull those levers for the business to achieve that outcome like automatically.
0: Gotcha. So I also wanted to highlight your work at Price Industries. Do you feel like this was one of your more challenging experiences? I mean, by the time you started working there, you'd already had a couple of years of data science experience under your belt, right? But you were dealing, like you had responsibilities like data management, data governance. And even, you know, you were kind of like the spearheader of machine learning work at the company too. Uh, So, how was it dealing with all those different roles and responsibilities? Do you feel like it's helped you grow in several ways? Could you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. So, that was the second time where I was like a founding member of the data team, right? When I was at Bold Commerce, I was one of the first members of the data team. Previously, there's two people, kind of scrappy two person team doing data science stuff at Bold Commerce. One of them went on maternity leave. I stepped in and then there's a whole slew of people that started from the ground up. And that was great because you have all that support, right? Like, you know, as a founding member of a data team, I was like a senior member, but I had like, you know, a couple of software engineers, a data engineer, a machine learning engineer. I had backup and resources to, to help me get stuff done. Uh, when I went to Price, though, I was the only one. So I was the first person they hired. You know, they hired me to, to solve like a really specific problem. And I was able to solve that problem with good results, in you know a relatively short time for one person. I right? having to do everything, and uh, you know from there, like all right, well this is great that you're able to give value here. Other parts of the company want to want to kind of get a taste of this machine learning thing and, and you know see how how they can use it to drive value. That was tough because price is a, what I call legacy company, right? Like they're not really fully in the digital age yet. They're still trying to catch up with like. 2008 so it was tough to 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 gain traction on anything else without having to go back and do more of that data management data governance part of the work so yeah a ton of responsibilities there and i guess ultimately that is kind of like why i left was because like i understand the importance of data governance data management like all that stuff is important and people should do that stuff but i wasn't going to be the one i did not want to be the one that did that Cause that's not what I'm really interested in, right? I'm more interested in, you know, the, the technical aspect of the work, like machine you know, learning and the, the actual science part of the work. But yeah, it's definitely one of the most challenging roles I've had. I like, enjoyed working there, enjoyed the people. But, you know, when you're working at a company that's in some parts of it are still using like access databases, it's tough to get anything done.
0: Yeah. So I guess your love for data science more lies along the lines of mathematics and statistics, right? Not necessarily the data management, data governance you were talking about.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you hear a lot of people talking about this, like oh, data scientists should be more business oriented and they should be all about business value. Yeah. That's obviously that is true. Like you should because you get paid to provide business value. But I feel like there's a spectrum of data science, right? I think on, you know, there's, there's one part of that spectrum where you're, kind of like a you know, we're product data scientist or maybe you use zero machine learning in your day-to-day, your day-to-day is primarily just analytics, really, like product analytics, uh, dashboarding, reporting, things like that. That part of the spectrum, I have zero interest in any of that stuff, right? Like, I'm not really interested in analytics. I'm not interested in reporting or dashboarding or insights or that, like that doesn't really get me excited. I'm more on machine learning and this stuff. Like, that's the stuff that I'm really excited about, really passionate about is, is you know, making predictions and, and doing cool stuff with, with data.
0: I wanted to shift gears here and discuss your own data science podcast, The Artists of Data Science. What was the motivation behind starting your own podcast and what do you think has been the most rewarding part about this whole experience so far?
1: I was I, mean, I was just sitting on a beach in Florida. Early 2020, me and my wife were on what's called a baby moon, right before the baby gets born, kind of calm before the storm. And, um, at that point, like leading up to that, I'd just been listening to a lot of podcasts, like Impact Theory and, uh, Jay Sheffield's podcast and a little bit of James Altucher stuff. And I, th- I think it was a combination of me just listening to a bunch of podcasts and just thinking like, I could probably do that. I could probably make this thing happen I and mean, you know, do a podcast if I wanted to. That was really kind of like the, the impetus for it. Like that's kind of where the idea of me starting the podcast came from. But then it was all about, okay, well, what the hell am I going to make a podcast about, right? What am I going to ask people questions about? And so the first real, like, you know, the first maybe 20 episodes or so uh, were heavily focused on data science. And it was mostly me asking questions that I couldn't get, Answers to because I was on my own. So really, uh, leaning on other people's expertise, right? And picking their brains on stuff. Because if I try to send a LinkedIn message to someone, no one's going to respond to me. But I've had a podcast all of a sudden. Everybody's like wants to talk to you about something, right? So use that as an opportunity to just fill in some gaps in my knowledge from people who seem to know, like they knew what they're talking about. And from there, just kind of like, I just kept reinventing the podcast in many, many different ways. So it started off as you know maybe I'll just talk to data scientists about you know progressing data science or maybe I'll talk to aspiring data scientists about their journey or like it was just kind of going through that phase and then I've finally kind of rebranded and I said you know what like this podcast is not only going to be about data science it'll be for data scientists as the primary audience but I just want to talk to people about whatever I want to talk to them about whatever I find interesting. And somewhere along the line, I just started inviting a lot of, like, authors and stuff on the show. A lot of, like, New York Times bestselling authors somehow ended up on the podcast. So, I guess that's been, like, the most rewarding part of it. And, like, just being completely selfish for myself. Like, the, the most rewarding part is, like, all these people whose books that I've read that I look up to. Like, I've had them on my podcast. Like, Robert Green, James Alan Dishire, Annie Deep, Charles whelan Scott Young. Like, the list goes on and on and on. Like, I can't believe that these people have actually had conversations with me and been on my podcast. Um, But on the flip side, man, like, just being able to give back to the community, like, you know, in, in some way. Like, you know, I'm hoping people are listening to podcasts. I'm hoping they're getting benefits from it. The office hours thing, the happy hour thing that I rebranded it to has been pretty awesome. Got a lot of good traction with that. People coming in, asking questions and giving giving answers, giving feedback, uh, that's been pretty cool to see as well.
0: Yeah, I think my favorite part about doing this podcast is being able to share people's stories, right? And also, of course, meeting the people, because I think if you look at someone's LinkedIn profile, it like, can look picture perfect, but you don't realize like all the steps they took to get there, right? Um, like even with uh, your background, right? Like you can see like, oh, you've been a data scientist at several companies, but your experience getting into grad school or you know, working as a math teacher, like those things aren't necessarily covered as much, you know. Could you talk a little bit about your work mentoring future data scientists through the data science dream job community? Obviously you have a very unique background and like very unique story about how you got into the field. So could you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, so I I mean I joined that program back in twenty eighteen as a student myself, like like Kyle's not really active on linkedin or social media as much anymore but you know he kind of put the bullet on his marketing stuff and got into his funnel and finally decided to uh, join the program as a uh, as a student myself and in that program like you know we've got an active slack community as well as course material and stuff like that but people would be asking questions on slack and it to me it would just be like all right well dude if you put in just a little bit just a little bit of effort you probably find the answer to this question yourself, but that looks like an interesting question that I would also like to know the answer to. So I'll go ahead and I'll look it up, get smarter along the way, and regurgitate what it is that I learned and give you the answer as well as the links. Right. Um So that's kind of how that mentorship thing started. Like I started doing that a lot, a lot, a lot, and then Kyle eventually was you know brought me on as as mentor, kind of just offloading some of the work he was doing. Rob his mentor, head mentor, whatever, just in charge of all the mentorship stuff there. it worked out pretty cool, man, like you know, uh providing nice side. and I was about to buy the entire data science dream job platform that deal kind of fell through. um, I'm glad it did, yeah, it's kind of really how it started, man. like it wasn't like I've always been this generous, helping kidding guy. It's just like people were asking questions, they are too lazy to find the answers. I thought they were good questions, I wanted to know the answer. So I did the research, did the work, gave them the answer, got smarter along the way, right? And that's helpful because it just exposed me to many other things that I probably wouldn't have came across on my own. So yeah, it's been it's been great in that respect. And I guess like my favorite part about helping others is to just you know seeing them win, man, like like just that that victory, that triumph. Because you see people who are just struggling through stuff, like man, I've been through really you know interview after interview rejection after rejection just failing uh but then once they get that 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 one success man and like just that triumph i think is it's kind of been you know the the favorite part just seeing people overcome all that struggle and then land the roles
0: yeah it's cool how you view it as more of a mutually beneficial thing right you got smarter by helping answering the, their questions and of course they got the answers to the questions that they were looking for. If there was like one single piece of advice you could give to aspiring data scientists, do you know what that would be?
1: One single piece of advice, man. Like, like the thing about data science is that it's a constantly evolving field. Right? Like, guess there's some eternal truths, eternal skills that you'll always need to know. Right. But you don't need to know them all right now. Uh, You can level up, learn, and and kind of bootstrap your way up the the hierarchy, right? So the biggest thing I'll say is, look, don't feel like you need to know everything right now. you don't, like you have an entire lifetime, an entire career to figure everything out. Just because somebody's sitting there talking about things that you've never heard of doesn't mean that you need to go and figure out what that thing is immediately, right? Because it might not be useful to you. And we talked about data science being a spectrum, right? Like, you know, there's people do nothing with product analytics. There's so people do nothing but language models. People do nothing but computer vision. Like These are all little niches in their own right. Like, you don't need to be an expert in every single one of them. So advice there is just above everything, forget all the technical skills. Just focus on learning how to learn and redefining yourself as somebody who's just constantly learning and constantly improving. Because so you're going to have a much better time in this field if you adopt that kind of mentality.
0: And, from your lens, what skills have you developed that have empowered you to be successful? Could you tell us you know maybe five skills you have that can be you know data science related or not that have been critical for your success as as a data scientist and moreover as a person? I don't know if
1: I can go five, but let me just rattle off a few and let's see where we end up So First is just insanely curious about things right like i just I'm fascinated by a lot of different things. So that's probably the number one thing that's given me any amount of success is just my curiosity. But That coupled with an ability just to get like get obsessed about things, right? Like, like if I'm curious about something and I'm obsessed about, it, like that is the only thing I'm going to be reading about and learning about for however long it takes until I like my itch has been scratched, right? So those are two biggest things. It's, it's it's just that insane insanely curious and just obsession. Like I just get obsessed about things. I'll just study that thing for as long as it takes. Next I'd say is probably just just not afraid to like mess things up. Like you know, like I'm not afraid to pop open the terminal, start typing commands and wiping out half my hard drive. It doesn't bother me. Like that's happened before when I was learning how to use the command line and I'm sure it'll happen again when I'm learning other stuff. Um, so just fearlessness in my pursuit of gaining new skills. Like I'm not afraid to learn any new skill. Like never. Um yeah. I mean I think those three things amount to any success I may or may not have. That maybe even just like a strong reading habit being reflective. So being able to objectively look back on myself over the last X number of months, X years and, and and objectively compare myself to where I was then and now to get a sense of where I'm headed. None of those are notice for data science related, but they all enable me to be a very data scientist.
0: Yeah I think that's a great thing you mentioned was that you're not really scared of like learning new things or like you're not really intimidated by it like one thing I'll say is I know a lot of people that are like worried like at least when I was in school like worried to take upper-level math classes or something like that because it like intimidates them, right? And I think that's a problem that can transfer over to data science. People are like, oh, I'm not really sure what it is. Seems too hard. But I think having that curiosity and being willing to learn and like willing to fail is is super critical. What do you think is the largest issue in the data science space right now? Uh, And how do you see this issue being addressed in the future?
1: Largest issue in data science right now? it's a big question i mean just glaringly it's just the lack of diversity in the field like i don't know man you look kind of brown to me you a last name charity and you're probably indian i'm indian right we're both dudes right so there's just a, you know everywhere else we go outside the world where minorities except in data science we tend to be the majority right uh, so i think just that lack of diversity probably the biggest issue because It's not even just lack of diversity in, like, skin color and faces, but just lack of diversity in ideas, right? Like, a team shouldn't be so homogenous that they agree on everything all the time. There should be some different opinions, and they should be welcomed. Healthy debates should be welcomed on teams. I think that's probably the case in tech at large, but just the the lack of diversity. I think we can address that by just making it more welcome for people, man. We've got these stupid memes floating around, right? Who wants to know machine learning? Who wants to know love? like who wants to learn math hands down? Like alright, do you like quit being such a damn gatekeeper? Do you like stop with these stupid memes that discourage people from even entering the field because they're scared that people like you are gonna start putting on them for uh not knowing math or stats to the level that you think they should know? That's just a bit of a rant there, man, I think I'm going off on a tangent, but yeah, that's that's kind of a, what I would say is it's diversity. And we can rectify that by just being more inclusive, being more uh, welcoming to different perspectives. And yeah, that's, that's it.
0: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think for example, like if you look at things like personalized medicine, for example, it's it's gonna be catastrophic if you just have a homogenous team of data scientists, right? Cause then you're not gonna account for all the different variables or like, you know, if, if if the medicine only works very well for a specific subset of the population, I mean, that's that's absolutely terrible. So I think that can definitely be addressed through uh, increasing uh, diversity in the space. How do you see data science evolving in the future? Are there any areas in particular you're eager to see advancements in?
1: Yeah, I think it's you're going to look at data science as not just one defined role. There will be smaller roles that all fall under the umbrella of data science. So I think, I think that's kind of an obvious thing. That's not really that exciting, but I think that's going to happen. You'll see the data science job title be kind of shaved off the smaller, more discrete tasks that are more specialized. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. In terms of advancements, I mean, I'm in the ML ops space, right? Both at, at you know, experiment management with this comet, then moving over to Packyburn we be doing data versioning, data pipeline versioning, data experiments, things like that. So ML ops space is interesting to me. I think that we're really just beginning to see a lot of the innovation that'll take place in that space. I don't think there's enough being said about it, at least not where I stand on LinkedIn. But I know there's vibrant communities like themetritro's big things got that super vibrant ml Ops community. but beyond that dude, I'd love to start seeing more on the intersection with with um, like data science machine learning with with blockchain and blockchain data analytics and uh, just that intersection I think could be fascinating if only I had enough hours in the day to spend uh researching web three and blockchain and, and that technology and how data scientists can make an impact there if I only had time to that's probably a thing that I would spend spend it on.
0: What is some advice you would give to your younger self perhaps five or ten years ago? I mean this can be, you know, career related or not. Uh do you have any advice for your younger self?
1: So Five years ago, I was in my mid-30s. Ten years ago, I was still in my almost 30s. So I don't know if that's that much younger. But I can't say, be like, like five years ago, I was really struggling, right? Like, I was hating my job as a biostatistician. And I started getting complacent in that role. Like, oh, you know, I could just show up here and not work as hard if I work. You know, half as much. It's like I'm getting paid twice as much. If I work half as hard, it's like I'm getting paid twice as much. Like cactus, I was like a calculus I in my my brain, and I was just happy with that complacency. I was like, I'll never get fired. I'll have this mediocre paying job with a fancy type sounding title, and that'll be great. But it wasn't until like the last three four years that that's changed. Uh, if I can if I can go back five years ago and hand myself a couple of books, I think I'd give myself grit and range uh, if i go back 10 years ago say read mindset and mastery i think that's that's what i'd do instead of giving myself advice i'd like if i could just appear out of nowhere drop a couple of books on my on my uh, nightstand and read those i think that'd be what i would
0: do thank you so much for coming on the podcast harpreet i loved hearing your unique story about breaking into the data science field your work as a data scientist at several companies, and of course, your own data science podcast, The Artists of Data Science. If you like this podcast, make sure to follow us and rate us wherever you get your podcasts, and stay tuned for more Data Dive podcast episodes like this one.
1: Yeah, man, thanks a lot for having me on the show. Really appreciate it. I hope you guys you know, enjoyed listening to ramble on about stuff. <laughs> You're having, having a good time, so thank you guys for being here. Remember, my friends, you got one life on this planet. Why not try to do something good? Cheers, everyone.